Annyeong, welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. I am your host, Darren, and with me today I have two guests. I have uh, Trisha. Hello, Trisha. Hello. And I have Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about episode 10 of season 1, which is called Peer Pressure, but spelt the other way, because all the action will take place on a pier. It was written by Mitch Hurwitz and... Jim Vallelli, which is a name that I'm sure I will mispronounce every single time he writes an episode. This is his first episode, and uh, once again, Joe Russo is directing. Um, I think he's got another two episodes left this season, or three episodes left this season. And Jim Jim Vallelli, I don't know how to pronounce that name, it's going to trip me up every time. Um, He will return for a number of more episodes uh, the next of which being uh, episode 12. The, the, the plot, as, as it is described here in my DVD booklet, and it goes as follows. When Buster asks George Michael to score him some marijuana, Michael asks some male cop strippers to stage a phony bust to help scare his son straight. It's described as male cop strippers in the actual description? Cop is in inverted columns. Gotcha. Inverted <laughs> commas. Uh, the episode was broad- broadcast in um, January... Um, so they were they were already into the new year. It's worth noting that uh, in this particular episode, Tobias is missing. He's nowhere to be seen, um, and we don't even get an explanation for where he is. He's he's just not here. So if you're a fan of Tobias, then you're gonna miss you're gonna miss him in this episode. I like to think that he's um, with his um his leather barbershop quartet still. That's why he's not here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he he did he did join the barbershop quartet at the end of the uh, previous episode, didn't he? So mm-hmm. the uh, the barbershop quartet that enjoy dressing up in leather. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so I guess he he might be out gigging gigging with them. That makes sense. Um, now I've already asked this question of Trisha in an earlier episode, so but I'll ask it to Matthew now, which mm-hmm. is. When did you first watch Arrested Development, Matthew? Did you watch it when it was airing on, you know, on Fox, or did you catch it on DVD later? I never watched it when it was airing, and I was trying to think of when the first time I actually ever heard of it was, and the earliest I can remember was when I was in my junior year of high school. I was like going around to look at colleges I would go to the next year, and I just picked up one of the student newspapers, and like the TV section was just this really long, impassioned plea for more people to watch Arrested Development, which I had never heard of. And yeah, so I didn't even think about it until 2006, I believe, when I was actually in college. I hope this doesn't come back to haunt me, but I went to like a very dodgy streaming site to just watch the entire series. And I believe around like yeah. the second the second season, the audio got out of sync by about five seconds, so... I was watching things that happened five seconds before, and then the joke would come five seconds later. I watched it, watched it on the streaming sites, and then when I got my first job, I actually bought all the DVDs. I became the Arrested Development guy because I would basically force all of my roommates each year to watch the entire series. And I think through the four years of college, I must have watched it like 12 times all the way through, just with different groups of people cycling in and out. So... Yeah, that was my Arrested Development experience. This episode itself, I will say, probably has... The most encompassing plot that we've seen so far this season, that where basically everything that is happening is um, kind of hanging off this one kind of plot. Right. I'll say actually the next episode probably has an even more centralized plot because basically everything in the next episode is all around right. all uh, Jessie and her right. public relations stuff. 
Yeah, so like literally every plot just revolves around what she's doing. So in this episode, we have the main thrust of, as described in the DVD booklet, of George Michael trying to get drugs on on behalf of Buster, it should be pointed out, who is trying to get them on behalf of Lucille Ostero. So it's it's kind of like a... a and I, I love how um, Buster describes it when he says, you know, um, you know when he says uh, Lucille is down again. And it's just... It, like for some people that means she might be depressed, but for her it means she's literally, literally down. <laughs> she's literally laid out. I love that he calls her my old lady too, which is so not a Buster way of talking. But also she is an old lady, and it is a perfect little joke, right? For him, no. Yeah. I, I always get the sense when with Buster's relationship with Lucille that like he's just testing out all these relationship things he's kind of heard secondhand. And he's just applying it to Lucille too, so it's. But anyway, look. Let's start like with my my favorite type of interaction, which is uh, Michael and George Michael, and we find out that George Michael has got an A minus. Um, it just says on his latest test. It doesn't. So we don't actually know what this is a test. I don't know if either of you can can recall. Like what book he was studying? Like what he studies math later because right. he says, "If I fail math, then there goes my chance at." A happy life full yeah. of hard work. <laughs> Odd that they don't say that up front, though. They just say no. his latest test, and you know we get this. We get Michael doing his his kind of trademark from uh, you know a few episodes back where he keeps correcting his son, um, and in this in this particular scene, correcting everybody because um, you know George Michael asks. Proud of me? Very proud. Minus, <laughs> which is such a kind of. It's kind of like a little cruel thing, and, and the fact that he basically, you know, sends his son off to study, saying, you know, go hit the books again for an A minus. That just seems like like the, the standards, you know, that, that Michael has for his son seem, you know, impossibly high. Well, I mean, as he says, and an A gets him ice cream. He knows that, so he knows what to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and once again, we get um, Michael's obsession with ice cream coming back here and then of course we contrast the parenting style of um michael with his twin sister where <laughs> she she's impressed by maybe his c-m-i-n-e-s um which is just i love i love how terrible maybe is but they emphasize it by having her not even know how to spell minus it's just such a a great gag that's wonderful. I love also that Lindsay asks, Did you even study? No, I didn't. Wow. How impressive is that? That she managed to see mine without studying. <laughs> yeah. It's just the beautiful, perfect mirror image of Michael's parenting. My favorite maybe moment isn't even something that she says. It's just right after Lindsay says, I'm so impressed that you didn't even study. She just gives Michael a like shrug, like, what can I say? And then she just walks off and it's... Probably like one of my favorite maybe looks ever. And I love how disgusted Michael is by, you know. Well, the bar for the refrigerator has been lowered, huh? <laughs> it's it's like I, he he's just so annoyed that everyone else in his family is like, you know, particularly Lindsay, is just being so slack and just not bothering to apply themselves in any way. And obviously this calls back to the pilot where... Um, you know, we we hear from George Michael and Michael about the uh, the sweet sting of sweat in their eyes, and basically how no one else in this family wants to work um, other than him. And this is also, uh, you know, reflected with how George Senior acts with uh, Michael. And this is something that will kind of come up later on in this episode, where you know there has been pressure from 
George Senior on Michael, and obviously that pressure then goes down from Michael to George Michael, and it's it's kind of funny how uh, there's always always these echoes between these two kind of father son relationships throughout um, the show, but also in this episode in particular, um, you know, which brings us to of course uh, George Senior's way of pressuring his children to doing stuff, uh, which is. As, as the narrator tells us... George Sr. had used his considerable means to stage intricate scenarios to teach his children what he considered valuable life lessons. I just, I just love... I love Jay Walter Weatherman and this, like this, the whole way that he gets used by George Sr. And I like how kind of like willing um, Jay Walter Weatherman <laughs> is to take part in these lessons and how you know he'll just throw himself into it. You know, like in particular, this first lesson... <laughs> where George Senior is kind of yelling, you know. Remember, we're out of milk. I could have got it earlier if someone would have left a note. And then, <laughs> then when Jay Walt Weatherman hits the car, <laughs> and George Senior is just like, Why? If someone had left a note, this most innocent man would still have his arm. Why? I and Steve Ryan's performance uh, here is just so brilliant when he kind of just gruffly. You know, goes into goes up to the window and he's like, "That's why you always leave a note." And it's just, it's just such an absurd thing for George, for George Senior to do, just to try and get his kids to leave a note so that they can say they're out of milk. I really love that whole scene. I love, well, I love George's um, amazing wig, and I love the casting of the kids, the ch- child versions of all the stars of the show, and that. Everything in that backseat is like a capsule for everything else that happens in the episode. Like, you know, uh, Joe picking on Buster and uh, Lindsay not really knowing what's going on. Oh, that's what that was about. <laughs> I thought he was trying to get us off dairy. It's a really good kind of, it kind of capsulizes the, the, the whole rest of the episode. It's great. And um, yeah, I, I just, I do love the Job, like, you know, get, having Buster going like, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? And obviously that will play into the reason why you know Buster involves George Michael is because he he doesn't want he doesn't want um, Job to start making him hit himself which seems weird considering these are like you know some 30 year old men they shouldn't really be doing that kind of stuff but I just I love how kind of deeply scarred Buster is that he won't go to Job to ask for stuff because of you know like what they used to what they used to do when they were kids I mean yeah um, I think he does have like a reasonable basis to think that because as we'll see later in the series like Job and Michael are still prone to get into knockdown fights like they did when they were kids and Buster's still liable to go hide up a tree so I think these things persist throughout their life. Yeah. Yeah, none of these people have grown up. They are still basically those kids. This is where we get Job coming in and I love that he just walks in saying, "I need a favor." And Michael's like, "What happened to hello? I need a favor." And uh, we get introduced to possibly one of my favorite running jokes, which is hot cops. I owe hot cops 500 bucks. In flashback, we see that he was too convincing um, as as a as a uh, as a cop, uh, and he he almost got hit with a shotgun, which you know that should concern somebody, but you know that no one's concerned because they're they're just more bothered by the fact that uh, Job is asking for money, and he says. Anyway, they're claiming that I never delivered on the gig. I just I think is a lovely way of putting it. I think this happens with both Job and Lucille in this, which is they they go they want something from Michael, but they can't they can't stop um, 
their kind of natural instinct to like kind of mock him. I'm not an ATM. <laughs> Michael, I keep forgetting how hilarious you are. <laughs> You're making it worse. Am I? <laughs> and uh, I also really love about this interaction that Job walks into the house, asks for a favor, and <laughs> tries to start eating a sandwich that Michael had prepared. Like it's just such a small thing that he just feels completely entitled to whatever he can get his hands on. And I do like Michael's slow sliding away of the sandwich once Job reached for it. <laughs> and the, and of course this is this is you know this is where Job is like you know he ma- he makes a, he makes a deal with Michael where you know he he's he's going to give him the cash but he wants a favor from him and um, Job says my gut is telling me no but my gut is also very hungry so obviously that is why he was going for that sandwich uh, Lucille does the exact same thing where <laughs> she calls him up and he arrives at his mother's apartment I need a favor we ought to put that on our family crest. <laughs> Spare me. <laughs> because she's about to do the same thing that Job just did. And and then, you know, this is, this is I think in this episode, this is kind of like the, the kind of minor subplot where uh, Lucille needs to change all of her receipts, I think, is what it is. And Yeah, I've watched this like two or three times, and she starts off saying I need to doctor all the receipts, but then it just turns into, I think, just her going through her antiques with maybe. I never really got where the receipts came in after that. Yeah, it's, it seems... It's true. It goes from the SEC needs to audit all of my recent purchases to these are all the things that your pop bought me. <laughs> yeah. Pretty quickly. It is a slightly odd thing, but I think the importance of it is this is the kind of... This is going to be the first time that Lucille and maybe spend, like, uh, you know, have a, a proper storyline together, basically. You know, Lindsay is is going to punish maybe... Um, because she, you know, her previous school was very lenient, and she only ever got a crocodile in spelling. Um, although my favorite, <laughs> my my favorite visual gag is when they show her report card, and it has the little pictures saying how different subjects make her feel, and one of them makes her feel C minus. Um, so, <laughs> so, and they, we don't see what that subject is, but I think it's just funny that obviously she's always been getting C minuses. No matter what she tries, no matter where she is, right. and this this leads Michael to Buster. You handed over to your girlfriend. Yeah, she's down again. And I, I think it's funny here how <laughs> you know um, Michael is basically trying to encourage him to split up with her because he says it's not like you made a commitment to this woman. One of my favorite things to do when I rewatch is just keep track of all the different ways that Michael is just as bad as the other Blues. And yeah, in this episode. The first thing he goes with Buster and says, Well, you know, you're free to go, pal. It's not like you made a commitment to this woman. Is just a a great <laughs> blue thing that Michael does where it's just like, how is this bad? I'm just telling him to abandon his girlfriend who's lying on the floor right now. I, I love how Buster's idea of... Like, again, this is, this is such great writing where he sees a commitment as <laughs> saying that the, the nausea that she's feeling is... I did refer to it as our nausea. Hmm. <laughs> and this will come up later on when Buster's, you know, talking to Lucille too, and she's on the floor, and she kind of just croaks on the floor, our nausea, like really weakly, <laughs> when he says, when he says your nausea to her. So you know, they're you know they're both thinking about it as being everyone's nausea, and I, I the, the kind of capper to this is with Buster saying, you know, that's when we were going at it really hot and heavy, and Michael saying, well, now it's my nausea. <laughs> which is a bit of a cruel thing to say really to buster but yeah michael's no better than anyone else on this show yeah except for george michael who is the only person with uh, any kind of 
moral compass, I think. <laughs> right. yeah. like after Michael has decided to to, to uh, try and break up Buster and Lucille too, uh, Lucille 1 heads over to the apartment and she tries to persuade Lindsay to help with the cataloging of the valuables. And Lindsay's like... Because I'm... Don't want to. <laughs> I love that. That is one of my favorite line deliveries on the series. I think about it all the time. I like that she just, she, she spends a half a second thinking of an excuse and then realizes she doesn't have to give one. And it's wonderful. And her actual, like, reason for not doing it is, she says, Well, maybe I don't feel like being criticized around the clock. And um, as much as we get examples of the, um, the George Sr., Michael, George Michael kind of roll-down effect, in this episode, we actually get to see the uh, Lucille, um, Lindsay, maybe kind of, you know, to, just to see the contrast of how, whereas, whereas, um, you know, Michael kind of copies George Senior and ends up forcing that onto George Michael, Lindsay here kind of takes a stance almost, um, and by the end of the episode, she's actually resisting becoming Lucille. Um, which you know, it's a nice. It's it's the first kind of time that we've actually got this these three characters in a in a concrete storyline together that as, isn't just you know part of one of the other storylines. Yeah, that's true. Michael does the same thing that his dad does, but Lindsay is so damaged by her mother's relentless criticism that she does the opposite and doesn't criticize her daughter at all. Ends up with somebody who gets a D minus. <laughs> yes. Um, it's above a D. Well, <laughs> well, Lucille actually says... And if you're worried about criticism, sometimes a diet is the best defense. <laughs> which, is, which, again, is so such a cruel kind of attack. <laughs> I love when, the, yeah, the end of the scene when Lucille says, you know... I just have one word for you. Sleeves. Sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> which is so something that it's such a mom thing to say. But also it's like, but her arms are fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? Lindsay attempts to be a little bit like Lucille here, where she's like, you know, you need some discipline. And she's like, I punish thee. <laughs> and, and maybe he's like, are you serious? What could you possibly come up with that would punish me? Which is true, because basically maybe it always rebels against everything that Lindsay and Tobias try to do. So any punishment she would essentially enjoy. Um, and then obviously, you know, that, that line about the sleeves is what makes Lindsay think, you know, you're going to... You're going to spend the day working for your grandmother. I just really like that Lindsay can say, I punish you. And then when maybe asks what it is, Lindsay never got to that step in her head. Just, <laughs> I punish you. And that's the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. That is quite funny. And then we get the this, this start of, you know, like, um, Michael has already kind of ruined Buster's relationship a little bit. And he's already basically ruining George Michael's life, uh, which we see where George Michael is kind of like talking to himself and saying, dumb, dumb, George Michael, dumb, dumb. And uh, I like Michael's line where he's like, uh, calm down, you two. Which is <laughs> <laughs> such, a, such a weird way of, of kind of, you know, talking about George Michael, who, of course, does have two names. And in season four... Um, people would mistake him for being two people. So um, I don't think this is a call forward to that, but it's just worth noting that this is the first time that, that anyone refers to George Michael as two people. And then obviously Michael tries to get George Michael to close the book and stop studying. And he re he closes the book, but his finger is still in it. And it, it takes a bit of a struggle for Michael to get him to 
you know, get his finger out of the book. It seems unnecessary for him to push this hard, you know, like, I can kind of understand that seeing how lax Lindsay is with maybe, maybe he's, he's probably forcing his hand a little harder than it probably would normally. Um, you know, like in the pilot when they're, they're, they're living together in the attic and they're, you know, riding their bikes together and everything, it, they don't, this relationship doesn't seem this kind of, um, it doesn't seem this way, it doesn't seem like this is their relationship in the pilot that like it seemed that the, the relationship in the pilot seems like they're a lot closer and, and that, you know, they're both a lot happier, which is more influence of the rest of the blues. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, being around the rest of the family does <laughs> right. to Michael. Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing it has kind of corrupted Michael a little bit, but, but just, it just seems like so hard, but obviously, you know, he's, he's just like his, his father because he gets the chance for a day off. So he ends up going into work, but it's just such a, such a funny gag when he's, you know, that sentence of like I decided to come into work because I got a day off, um, and this this is where we get the intersecting <laughs> of the storylines and and the, the the setup for what will be, you know, the, the the big joke at the end. We already know about Jay Walter Weatherman's lessons now, and we already know that um, Buster, in a very funny kind of like sequence, we get introduced to Buster remembering a study he took part in. He remembered a study he took part in on medical marijuana and its effects on nausea. The subject took the drug in the form of a THC pill. Nausea was then induced with a day at the carnival, which is what attracted Buster to the experiment in the first place. Buster was found two days later trying to eat his way through this enormous plaster donut. Um, and that is a real location in Los Angeles, that donut. That is really on a donut shop. Um, it's really well mm-hmm. known. Obviously, it's been parodied in um, The Simpsons with... Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what the... Is it Lard Lad? Lard Lad Donuts is the... Yeah, right. Yeah, Lard the, 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 the huge donut. So, it's you know, it's a well-known thing, but I just think it's funny <laughs> that Buster, you know only did this because he wanted to go to the carnival and he ends up on top of a, a roof trying to eat a plaster donut. Um, and we get the narrator telling us that... So Buster went to the toughest, most streetwise kid he knew. Uh, <laughs> 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 and, and, you know, George Michael is in the banana stand and, you know, he's he's just selling bananas, he's just enjoying himself. And this is where he, like, you know, we get the revelation that George Michael <laughs> has been lied to about who Lucille Two is, where he says, "Dad said you were her nurse." And that's, <laughs> once, once again, Michael proving that he can be as cruel as any of his siblings, undermining poor Buster. Well, I couldn't tell if he was lying or if he was just trying to like save George Michael from just envisioning I, that, right? Trying to protect George Michael. This is where we get the introduction of. I mean, this show, the composer whose name escapes me at this particular moment, but he does so much like good work. I I really enjoy like all the background music and stuff. You know, I think he he does kind of like really good like the kind of changing the mood of the scenes with the, with a different kind of like score. Um, but in particular, he has a habit of writing these really kind of catchy fake in-universe songs. Uh, one of which we get to hear here, which is given as uh, Jimmy Jane is the is the singer that is given um, <laughs> when they t- they talk about how in the seventies the boardwalk was the place to buy marijuana in okay. Newport Beach. The stand served as a convenient meeting place because of the banana's resemblance to a yellow marijuana cigarette. 
it had even inspired a song. It's just so perfect. Um, in kind of like sounding like a kind of like early 70s folk song. Um, where the lyrics are only just a big, you know, big yellow joint, big yellow joint. I'll meet you down at a big yellow joint, and that's all you need, really, because <laughs> it kind of just conveys like the idea of how famous it is. And that is meant to be apparently a, a parody of a, a, another song, which was about a, a meeting place in California, the name of which escapes me at this particular moment. But right, yeah. Well, I read something comparing it to Alice's Restaurant, which I suppose yeah, might I be... think that's I think that's what that's the um... thing that's, that's what I'm thinking of. George Michael suggests that Buster should go to Uncle Job, which would really be the best, you know, the best way to get this this whole thing resolved. Because, <laughs> you know, Job is the kind who would be able to get drugs with you. So, um, but Buster, he, he, you know, he, he, he doesn't want to do that because, you know, he says, everyone makes fun of me for dating Lucille. And George Michael says that's horrible. And, you know, that is why George Michael is, certainly in these first three seasons kind of the best kind of character because whereas everybody else finds this relationship hilarious he, you know he he sees the kind of you know how terrible it is that people should be making fun of him right well i mean george michael also can't really throw a lot of stones where he's living in regards to crushes and stuff so <laughs> <laughs> do we i don't think we get any of that in this episode do we no the very last yeah no actually george michael and maybe oh, right. don't really yeah. interact Except for the very, yeah, very the, end of the episode. Yeah, it's the very last yeah, like, line not is, really... is a, yeah, this is the last exchange kind of just says that. But otherwise, no, this is this is a relatively incest-free episode of Arrested <laughs> Development. Uh, <laughs> um, and then this is where we got get a, 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 like a great interaction between George Michael, Michael and Buster. You know, Michael turns up and sees George Michael in the banana stand and he's like, you know, take the day off and we find out that you know George Michael basically only went into work because maybe he's at Gangies. so you know there's a little hint of that there going on um, and then Michael is like find something to do go make mistakes get in trouble be young yes I totally agree make a mistake Michael goes now here here's 20 bucks I want you to close up shop and go crazy go find yourself something to buy that you don't need and <laughs> Buster's like absolutely here take 225 <laughs> from me <laughs> um which you know we so basically you know George Michael has two hundred and forty five dollars at this particular point in the episode, but that will gradually get whittled down as different people decide to take a uh, a chunk out of it each time. It it kind of moves up. Oh yes, and you're right. Job is on the yacht because that is where. George Michael goes to leave a note, you know, approach him, and he leaves. Yeah, and he, yes, he leaves a note. note. Uh, yeah, which describes exactly what he wants him to do, which is to to get him some drug. You know, when when Job shows this to Michael, and he's like, "This can't be my son," and I love how Job is like, "Well, it is his handwriting." <laughs> and, and it's like, how does Job know George Michael's handwriting? Anyway, that's such a such an odd little detail. And then obviously we get the, the the money already starting to be diminished because he's like, plus he left me $200, uh, which suggests that George Michael has kept $45 already for himself. And then he says, oh, plus he left me $200, $100, <laughs> 100 I, I accidentally said two. 
so Job is keeping a further hundred for himself. I like that Job like almost does what you would think would be the right thing to do, even though he dimes out George Michael, but he goes to Michael and says, this is something your son's doing. Yeah, right. And also, here is the weed he for. Yeah. <laughs> he just totally messes up being uh, like any kind of responsible uncle. With I also did yeah. the weed. I mean, in all fairness, Job has done what... Um, you know, George Michael asked him to do in the note, and he's also been a good, you know, brother to Michael, and you know, admitted what he's done for his son. So, um, you know, the, this is actually one of the few times where Job is is acting, you know, in a good way, even if he has kept hundred dollars of Buster's money. Um, you know, just since we're still on the hundred dollars, I think Job says here that. Really, a hundred dollars? You can't get good weed for a hundred bucks. And one of the roommates I showed this to thought that that was the like funniest thing he'd ever heard because apparently you can get pretty good weed in California for a hundred dollars. So our head cannon was just <laughs> this was another example of like how Lucille thinks that twenty dollars is for a gallon of milk and you can buy a banana for ten dollars. This is just Job thinking a hundred dollars can't buy you anything and. Another example of people who's having no idea how much yeah. things cost around them. Or it might be that he's someone else is um, taking advantage of Job as True, well. True. Yeah. And um, you know maybe giving him twenty five dollars worth of weed for a hundred dollars. Uh, everyone is everyone is taking their cut out of this money. Um, and then we get like the first mention, and this seems odd that it's taken ten episodes of um, when when Michael says your uncle Job. Seems to think that he saw you down at the docks today. Was that you? No, no. Maybe it was the other George Michael. You know, the, the singer-songwriter? <laughs> <laughs> and Jason Bateman's delivery of... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. The first That's and only perfect. mention, right? Yeah. I also like that whole scene, how he's like... He's trying to shake out the book that George... <laughs> that Michael is studying in real casual. Like, it's not the weirdest thing in the world that he's doing. <laughs> I really like him in that scene. He's he's Michael thinking that he's being like cool and sneaky, but he's not at all. He's just being totally yeah. weird. And we do get confirmation that George Michael has indeed put um, the money that he was meant to have fun with. He put it in the the savings account, um, which suggests he put at least forty five dollars of that in the savings <laughs> account. As soon as George Michael leaves, he goes to Job. He's lying to me. Can you believe that? <laughs> And Job, uh, poor Job, trying so hard not to have to exhale. <laughs> uh, I think that might yeah, be my the excuse. It's yeah, my single favorite joke in all of this development. It's cold out here. I also really love in this scene. Um, yeah, Michael says, you know, I, I say one thing to Lindsay about being a hippie parent, and I end up with a hippie. <laughs> and Job says, yeah, that does seem really quick. <laughs> like it's like the one good observation in the episode. Like, yeah, of course he didn't immediately become a drug addict. That's way too fast, but. Of course, Michael doesn't pay attention to that and goes straight to, we need to teach him Well, we, you know, we get, we get the second kind of flashback to a J. Walter Weatherman here where, where um, Michael is like, should I yell at him? And I love Will Arnett's delivery of, did his dad teach us that we don't yell in this family? And, uh, and this actually brings, you know, this brings the yacht into the plot in the, in the flashback as well, where. J. Walt Weatherman's arm gets ripped off because the kids are yelling and George Sr. thinks he said hit the gas. Um, you know, and then obviously J. Walt Weatherman is like, and that's why you don't yell. <laughs> and once again, Steve, Steve Ryan's kind of like, 
delivery of the 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 message you know at the end of each of these lessons is always like so kind of intimidating um and you know this is where we get the um we we get in george senior uh, who has recently converted to um i would say judaism but i don't think that what he's practicing <laughs> is judaism he's only been out um, for two days yeah <laughs> it's what he thinks yeah, he he thinks that it's it's Judaism anyway. Even though, yeah, he has no idea. Was it this episode or the last one where it's established? He's like, I have to prepare for the Sabbath. <laughs> it's Tuesday. This, this is this episode, episode yeah, <laughs> where he, you know, um, George Sr. has kind of like, you know, we get the echo here with uh, Michael kind of like punishing himself and George Sr. saying, I forgive you. And then, you know, Michael, he wants, he just wants Jay Walter Weatherman. That's what he's after. And, um, you know, George Sr. doesn't want Michael to do it because, you know, he says your son is a timid, thoughtful boy. He's a scholar like his grandfather because, of course, (laughs) (laughs) George Sr. can't resist, um, you know, giving himself a compliment while giving other people a compliment. And then I I, I love the whole thing about, you know, it's the first night of Yom Kippur. (laughs) Michael's like, that's one night and it's back in September. He's like so off about everything. It's like, oh, it's, it's almost sundown. I have to prepare for the Sabbath. It's Tuesday. <laughs> like the whole, that whole story is just like so kind of uh, weird. You know, on the on the other storyline, we've had, you know, uh, maybe and um, and Gangi have been having fun. It seems to start off with, where um, Lucille is kind of cataloging all the different things that have been bought for her because of you know, different things that were said, uh, in particular, you know, an au pair. And uh, Lindsay is a little annoyed because, uh, you know, the uh, this brooch is given to uh, maybe. And Lindsay's annoyed because she wanted this brooch uh, for the effort of her clearing her throat and pointing to the laundry room. <laughs> um, and Lucille says, <laughs> But it's an elephant and I didn't want to invite the comparison. Again, it's such a kind of such a cutting line. And when she had first put it on, maybe she said, "Here, it'll distract from the freckles." <laughs> it's like, just can't yeah. be nice. Which Alia Shawcat's like freckles are like beautiful. Like they, they they are like they're so distinctive. But it is they are just like they they just look great. Her freckles look great. You don't need to distract from those freckles. Uh, you know, so. Lucille finding something physical to to, to criticize about yeah. someone that is in no way worthy no. of criticism. Those are those... And I think my my favorite Lucilleism is the the bracelet, which she says is Lind or Maybe's wrist is testing the tensile strength, and it's just like hanging off of yeah. it loosely. But this is well, th- that is kind of like the end of this storyline. Is um, you know maybe suggests well we could go get some ice cream, Gangi. And Lucille says that'll be fun, right? I don't think so. That chubby little wrist of yours is testing the tensile strength of this bracelet as it is. Uh, and the narrator lets us know that... Maybe decided that perhaps she'd had enough of her grandmother. Uh, and she leaves, of course. And as always, uh, she leaves a note <laughs> that says, Love, Fatty. <laughs> um, you know, so... I think it's funny, actually, that kind of like... Uh, I don't think maybe is kind of taking the insults to heart as much as Luce, as much as um, Lindsay does. You know, I think at a certain point, maybe because of her nature, will eventually be like, I I don't think I agree with this. I, I'm just going to go, which is obviously what happens. 
but uh, you know i think it's like she's a little more resilient yeah. than her mom in the way that george michael is maybe a little kinder than his dad it's like that generation seems to have <clears throat> done a little bit better than the previous generation of blues I, I just think maybe she she always seems like she's always looking from the outside in so she can kind of understand that it doesn't really matter what Lucille says because she can just walk away, yeah. which she does. Um, so. Which, you know, obviously was what Michael was suggesting um, Buster should be doing with Lucille too, is just walking away from a Lucille. Um, right. Yeah, and, you know, I just want to jump ahead and, you know, just wrap up this story because, you know, Lindsay sees that Maybe's come back and, you know, she says... Back from your wonderful time with Gengi. And, you know, Maybe, very rarely does Alia Shawcat get a chance to play Maybe as kind of real as she does in this scene where she's like you know well actually it wasn't so wonderful she could be kind of nasty i'm glad you're my mom which is it's a rare time that that you actually get to see Lindsay and maybe not in a kind of combative relationship um and i I think i think you know when she gives her the brooch (laughs) she's like you deserve it can't believe you have to put up with her your whole life I just, I just think it's the, like the perfect, and obviously <laughs> Lindsay decides they're going to go sell it and use the money to go shopping, so she doesn't really care about the brooch anymore. <laughs> but I just, I just think it's that's such a like touching way for that story to finish. Um, and, and like I say, it's it's rare that you kind of get Alia Shawcat being able to. Normally, she's just literally kind of, you know, being a contrarian to anything that's going on in the plot, and normally she's just doing the opposite of whatever anyone wants her to do. So it, I I just I always think it's like a nice moment between those two characters, and I don't think you ever really get that again for the rest of the show. I think it goes back to kind of being a, a kind of combative relationship for the rest of the the, the series, um, you know. So it, it it it's nice to see that moment. The big part of this show is first of all we get to meet the hot cops, <laughs> and um, Michael wants to use the hot cops to do a fake drug bust. And, um, you know, Job is like, you know... They've never done any hot policing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I forgot that uh, the reason he doesn't get J. Walter Weatherman is not only does uh, George not want to help him with this, but they killed him when they left the door with the air conditioner running. (laughs) I forgot about that. And um, they, they set it up, so Michael makes this plan. He he doesn't really want the hot cops. He just he just wants people to show up in uniforms. He says they don't even need to be hot. Um, and, and then you know, Job calls up George Michael, tells him to go to the yacht. This is where George Michael has second thoughts, and Buster kind of, you know, he says to him, "My woman is sick, please." And then you know, later that night they get they get there, and um, <laughs> Job explains that. Um, <laughs> And this, this is such a great line. Oh, these guys are pros, Michael. They're going to push attention to the last possible moment before they strip. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael's like, they're not going to strip, are they? And Job's like, I told them not to, but I can't promise that their instincts won't kick in. <laughs> it's what's weird is, you know, like, this is the first time that we've met the hot cops. And yet you just, you know who they are. <laughs> they're, just, they're just, you know, hot guys who just love to dance. And it doesn't even matter if they're actually cops. Because as we'll find out later on, they have a number of different <laughs> costumes that they wear. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Job kind of says what's going to happen. Boats wait offshore, lights are flashed. Guy comes over and drops off a bag. He's going to freak the old bastard out. Which I think is an unfair way to re- refer to George Michael. 
But, you know, Job, it seems like Job's kind of in the zone. I love Michael also says that he wants it to be believable. I want him scared. I love this kid. <laughs> <laughs> Just missing the point. Really. Yeah. You know, Buster takes George Michael to the docks and he hides away whilst, you know, Michael hides away. And, you know, the whole kind of drug deal goes down between um, George Michael and Job, which he, he kind of initiates with the phrase, All right, kid. Let's deal some drugs. <laughs> um, you know, so he flashes the light. And then, you know, Job is like, you know, who knows how long it's going to take? An hour? Maybe five? And then, and then one of the hot cops arrives literally saying... Drug delivery! <laughs> Uh, and I love, I love how, um, I love how Derek has, you know, his way to prove that he's got the part is to lift up his shirt and, sh- and kind of boast about his abs. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a great kind of like touch. Um, and that's when the rest of the hot cops show up and a construction worker, as Job kind of says, and uh, you know they're like, "Do you want to put him in handcuffs?" And obviously they're they're super confused. And then you know, Michael emerges and, and says, you know, hope you learned your lesson. Um, and then all the hot cops start dancing together. Which, you know, I love how Michael's reacting to it by like going, thank you, thank you. And he's trying to, almost trying to get them to stop. Kind of the, you, this, is, this is again how you know um, that, that George Michael's a good kid is Buster said not to tell anyone who it was for. And so obviously because, you know, he's a good, he's a good nephew, he doesn't, he doesn't let on who it was for, um, you know. He, he he says that it's for him. He's gonna smoke the marijuana like a cigarette. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's so good at uh, so good yeah. at drug culture, George Michael. Um, and of course, you know, Buster Buster does emerge and admits it was for his girlfriend. And Job, of course, starts says, you know, uh, why don't you just wait it out? She's gonna be gone soon. And this is when Buster takes his revenge of making uh, <laughs> making Job hit himself. Then, of course, we actually get. Uh, a lesson <laughs> as a new drug dealer arrives on the scene and he's like you know we got the drugs you got the money and uh and then you know there's police arrive and um <laughs> and job screams at the top of his voice i love how that's how he's going to persuade drug dealers that those aren't really cops is that they're too hot to be cops <laughs> Um, I, I think this episode proves that just like you can add space in front of things to make them automatically <laughs> funnier, saying hot in front of anything or just saying hot is just a automatically yeah. funny word. And and then obviously universe. Jay Walt Weatherman <laughs> loses an arm and it falls in front of Michael and he realizes at this point that he's been taught an elaborate lesson and Jay Walt Weatherman delivers the line. And that's why you don't teach lessons to your son. <laughs> and of course, you know, it ends up with um, you know Michael going to the prison and George Senior, you know, basically saying what is true, which is George Michael's a good kid. You should try talking to him when he's in trouble. Don't make the same mistake that I made, you know, teaching lessons. <laughs> and he says, "So you taught me a lesson not to teach lessons." And of course, he says, "It was my last lesson." <laughs> and it's it, I love how the logic of George Senior is. If you if you need to teach someone a lesson about not teaching lessons, then you have to teach them a lesson. It's like such a kind of circuitous route to get to that particular point. Um, but uh, he's you know he's I think it's funny because when George Senior becomes this kind of 
you know, weirdly religious character, which is kind of going to be his um, storyline now for the for basically the rest of the season. He's converted, and that he stays converted until the end. Um, he is like a right. He's right about a lot of things. You know, they they shouldn't have tried to teach George Michael a lesson. They should have just talked to him, and and it would have been it would have been fine. Um, but as it is, um, you know. Michael attempts to kind of talk to his son at the end where he's, you know, he says that, uh, you know, he should have just talked to him and, you know, he was stressed out and, you know, and then of <laughs> course he says, you can tell me anything, anything at all. Like say I had a crush on my own cousin. And then Michael takes a second and starts laughing. And he goes, Hey, <laughs> you just taught me a lesson. <laughs> all right. We're even. And I love how Michael can't even hear this. Even when George Michael says it straight up to his face, he cannot hear that. Um, and we don't get an on the next at the end of this. That's just where the episode ends. Um, and I don't know why we don't get an on the next because there were no there were no deleted scenes or anything. I, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I didn't see anything on this. Yeah, I guess they just any deleted or yeah, any trivia or anything. It was just too false. Yeah. I guess they just. Yeah. I did love in this last scene that Michael, uh, that George Michael admits that he knew one of the hot cops was his choir teacher, so he knew they weren't real cops. Um, but also that he's not even mad about his dad doing this elaborate lesson. Like <laughs> Michael's, like you know, I, I'm sorry. I guess I should talk to you more. And George Michael's like, I think we're okay. Like he's such a good kid that he's not even. I mean, he could be very justifiably upset, but he—I think he knows that from the outside how everything looked. You know, yeah, it would make sense that his dad overreacted in this way. Oh no, I was just saying. I think the fact that the lesson ultimately was on Michael kind of took off the onus from George Michael from like feeling bad <laughs> about it. Like his dad got embarrassed more, so it's not like he can claim to be injured. Yeah, or and um, <laughs> yeah, it does end. It does end up with you know the arm falling in front of Michael, so. That is who he's being taught a lesson in the end. Uh, particularly as I think because obviously, you know, Buster came forward and kind of admitted that it was for him and that George, and that George Michael was just doing it for him. So I guess Michael kind of understands that he was he was being a good nephew. So, um, you know, uh, but I, 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 yeah, it's, it, it's funny that George Michael, it kind of wasn't in any danger and, and didn't learn a lesson and wasn't really that... <laughs> Like nothing in this episode really actually affected George Michael. It's really more about, uh, you know, Buster and Job and 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 Michael, kind of. Uh... And the funny thing is, of course, is that Lindsay's punishment actually worked, in that it did teach maybe a lesson. Like out of everyone in this episode trying <laughs> to teach someone a lesson, Lindsay punishing maybe and and putting her with with Gangi. That made Lin- that made maybe's you know put into perspective, you know what her mother's life must have been like, and so she actually got was the only one who who learnt a valuable lesson in this whole episode, and it was yeah, Lindsay was the only effective parent in this episode, which is yeah shocking and horrible. It's not that shocking actually when you consider that Michael is very rarely an effective parent. I think George Michael is a good kid, and it's not. It's not due to anything that Michael is doing. I think it's kind of just the <laughs> fact that he, he he's innately good. I'm going to say on the next episode of I've Made a Huge Mistake, I'm going to be talking to Caleb Green and Erin Gambrell um, about um, 
uh, what is it called? Public relations. That's what I'm going to be talking about, and how how you can always tell a Milford man. Um, so I'm hoping you'll join me for that. <laughs> um, otherwise, uh, do you have anything to plug? And I'm going to say uh, Matthew first. No, get- I have nothing to plug. Donate to your local legal aid. You don't even have a Twitter or anything like that that you want to say out loud? Uh, No, if you want to go to my Tumblr of cards that say how much time has passed in movies, that's MeanWilkst, M-E-A-N-W-H-I-L-X-T, Tumblr.com. I know that. You're crazy. I know that. Um, If you want to follow me on Twitter, it is uh, MilfParade, M-I-L-F-P-A-R-A-D-E, for sporadic idiotic things that i say a lot okay and you were also on top banana so if people want to hear you talk about that yes go back to yeah they, <laughs> episode two they can, listen, they can listen to that as well um yeah so well thank you both for joining me um and other than that thank you we will say goodbye bye bye, bye.